So this morning, we are continuing on with our series in Romans, <clears throat> talking about, in this, uh, especially in the situation that we're in, this pandemic, living faith that is living, holy, and pleasing to God. Last week, we heard a challenging word uh, from Paul. is saying, submit to the authorities, um, because they were placed there, they were appointed there by God. This week, Paul turns to, uh, returns back to his theme of loving each other, loving one another. Now, for me, I love this section. It raises some good questions. You know, why do we as Christians put so much emphasis on caring for one another inside the church as well as loving people outside the church? And given the situation right now, has any of this changed? Some of you might be asking similar questions. What should love and care look like right now? In light of this pandemic, how should we treat one another inside the church as well as our neighbors outside the church? Let's get into this text and see what Paul says. So if you want to, open your Bibles to Romans chapter 13, verse 8. It's also going to be up on the screen here as well. Paul begins by saying this. He says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. Now, verse 7 here picks up from, sorry, verse 8 here picks up from verse 7, which we talked some about last week. When Paul was talking about submitting to authorities, he said, Give everyone their due. If you owe taxes to the authorities, pay taxes. If it's you owe duties, pay duties. If you owe them honor, then pay honor. If you owe them respect, then give them respect. And here in verse 8 he says, Let no debt remain outstanding. So kind of picking up from that theme. Except this one, the debt of loving each other, of continuing to care for each other. I was thinking of something about this week, how when we look at um, people, even our brothers and sisters uh, in our church, we can begin to look at, say, you know, uh, I love them, but I'm, they haven't done as much for me as I've done for them, so I feel like I kind of, I don't owe them love anymore. <laughs> and, you know, that's, that's not really the right way to look at it. Um, because really, I was thinking about some this week is, really, the love that we owe is this love towards Jesus. Because Jesus has saved our lives. He has given us a new life. And Jesus says one of the best ways to show our love for him is by loving our neighbor. To love those who are around us. And so uh, that's a debt that we'll never repay is what Jesus has done for us. And so we keep loving him, keep trying to repay him by loving people around us, especially our church family and our community. Paul goes on to say, he says, uh, for no one uh, who loves, for he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. Now, this is sort of the, the lead sentence. This is the guiding statement for everything we're going to talk about this morning that loving one another essentially fulfills the law. Now the law, for those of you who may not know what that is, in Israel, uh, in Paul's day, uh, Jewish people had a big book of laws. We saw here with Moses in the cartoon, in the children's message, about the Ten Commandments. Well, there's actually 673 different commandments that God gave in the Old Testament. And Paul is saying, all these commandments, you know, like, you shall not kill, don't murder, don't do this, all of those can be fulfilled if we actually love God each other, if we care for one another, even above ourselves. So this is the, kind of the lead sentence for everything that Paul's about to say. He says this, he says, the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandments, commandments there may be are summed up by this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Now I want to zoom in on this part right here. All right, this idea of love fulfilling the law. Uh, G, uh, Paul says here, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this isn't something that Paul made up. 
This is actually something that Jesus quoted when he taught his disciples, and it comes from Leviticus, actually loving your neighbor as yourself. So essentially, do for them what you would do for yourself. Do for your neighbor, take care of them the same way that you would take care of yourself. He also says, do no harm. Love does no harm to its neighbor. If we love others, then we don't really need the laws that say, don't commit murder, don't steal, don't covet, because we don't even want to do those because we're caring for our neighbors. You just begin to see how if we would love each other, if we would care for each other, not only our church family, but our community, there would be no need for laws, especially the law of the Old Testament. So this is how love fulfills the law, because we're not tempted to do the, the things that we shouldn't do. We actually want to do good for each other. From here, Paul takes a new point. He says, and do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because your, our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. This idea right here of present time. Okay, the word underneath this, the Greek word is kairos. Kairos time. Now, there's two different words for kairos, or sorry, two different words for time in Greek. The first one is chronos, which is um, basically the accumulation of seconds, minutes, hours, days, months, years. Like just general time. Kairos is not so much the time on your watch, but more like the appointed time, this auspicious time, this moment that has come. And so Paul is talking about that understanding that the moment is here, that this special time is here. And so it's an auspicious and it's an appointed time. Now it's a great point here I want to make is that um, he talks about salvation being nearer now than it was when we first believed. Now, this idea, he says, uses the word salvation here, it might be a little bit confusing, because you might be thinking, like, is he talking about the salvation when I began following Jesus, or what does, exactly does he mean? And he actually means the return of Jesus. So he's saying salvation in terms of, not in terms of like our soul salvation, but rather the salvation of us when Christ returns, saving us from the brokenness of this world. And he's talking about this because Christ's return is always moving closer. I was listening to a pastor this last week. His name is uh, Pete Scazzaro. He's a pastor from the East Coast. Um, talking about, um, that, referring to scripture, talking about being in labor pains of Christ's return. That we wait expectantly for his return, and right now we're in these labor pains. And he's saying this moment, this pandemic, is a labor pain. And he said, um, talking about birth, um, you know, uh, he, his, he has a wife and family. And he said, you know, when you start having labor pains, you know the time is soon. You know the child is coming soon. But you don't know if there's five more labor pains or 50 or 500. You don't know. And similar with us. We don't know when Christ is returning, but we know. We see the labor pains around us. We know it is soon. And so for us to live with urgency and to stay ready, to keep watch. So this is the main point, though, is that we care for uh, others especially in times like this, because the time is short. The trouble is, sometimes we can become less than loving the more urgent we feel about Christ's return. I was thinking some about this this week, because first, we feel the urgency in our own lives. You know, it's hard to be gentle, and it's hard to, uh, to be caring when we feel the situation is urgent. I uh, have to admit in front of you, when it's uh, 7.20, and the boys are late to go down to the catch the bus, uh, and I feel like the time is urgent, I'm not very caring. 
I struggle to be gentle and kind and loving. I'm like, get your butts out the door and get down to the bus or you're going to miss it. So when we feel urgent, it's harder to be loving and caring. And then only that, and then add to that the desire to help people who, in many cases, don't want to be helped. One of the hardest things to do is to change somebody who doesn't feel like they really need to change. And so we feel this urgency about Christ's return, and so we tell people about it ever so cautiously. Uh, and still they're like, nah, thanks, but I don't think so. And they go on about their way doing what they were doing. As a result, it's understandable we can get frustrated. We can get frustrated with complacency, even complacency of other Christians, and unwillingness of people around us who, who would rather not follow Jesus. They'd rather continue doing the stuff that they wanted to do, not follow Jesus. They don't care if he's coming soon or not. And we can get frustrated because they just won't take it seriously. And all the time we're feeling like it is urgent, just like me when I need to get my kids down to the bus. The time is short. We don't have a lot of time. So the frustration can build. And not only that, but we can also feel hurt as well. Sometimes we can feel hurt by people who don't take this Christ's return seriously. We can be hurt by people who don't take us seriously. We can even begin to think, uh, talk like we're paranoid or that we've got a screw loose or something. And so it's understandable we can even feel defensive. And when we combine, and when we're defensively, or when we, <clears throat> sorry, when we become defensive with people who originally that we were trying to help. Do you see how it kind of starts to, like over time, the, the bad experiences of it kind of starts to twist what we were originally trying to do. Originally, we were telling them, Christ is coming soon. You need to change. You need to believe in him and have this new life. And over time, we started saying, you know what? I'm so frustrated with you. I don't even care what you do anymore. So how as Christians, as they feel more urgency about the shortness of time, about Christ's return, we can actually become less loving. And the worst is when the hurt that sometimes we experience from others, it, when that turns to anger. And we start thinking to ourselves, you know, when Jesus comes, then you're going to get it. We start thinking like that. And it's understandable. I mean, people flaunt their sin. They refuse to acknowledge a God, the God that we love and have devoted our lives to. And sometimes their sin even, hards up, even harms us. The things that they say and do actually begin to hurt our lives. Not only that, but so then the, the warning we start feeling can take on an angry tone. And here I'm thinking of that person, you know, like at the corner, the street corner with the, the loudspeaker and the sandwich board or the picket signs, you know, the end is nigh, yelling at people as they drive by. It can, it can degrade to that. This is no longer warning. This is just rubbing it in. The trouble is it's hard to care for people when you're frustrated with them. And it's impossible to care for them when you're gloating over their uh, destruction. This text this morning calls us to do exactly the opposite thing. The more urgency we feel about Christ's return, the more we should love and care for others. That's the point that Paul is making. We can only do that when we forgive the insults. When we forgive the times that even each other have insulted us. We can do that when we forgive people when they fail to take Jesus seriously. The more frustrated we feel, the more we need to repent ourselves. Lord, please forgive me for losing my patience with, with uh, my friend who just won't believe it. Um, repent ourselves and in turn love and care for them even more. Ultimately, we have to trust Jesus with the results. We stop trying to scare people into faith and in turn love them and care for them more. Trust the Spirit to do His work. 
There's this old saying, I remember my professor used to say it quite a bit. He said, you know, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. I think that's especially true right now in our culture. There's so many different opinions about things. Uh, I mean, you could, man, you want opinion, 500 opinions on something, just Google it on the internet. Different opinions, all this. But nobody cares how much we know until they know how much we care. The most effective way right now as I read this text and in my own experience is to care for people, to love them. As Christ returns, as Christ's return, as it nears us, as it comes ever closest, let us care for each other and for our community all the more. Now Paul will get into some, now Paul's going to get into some specifics about how we live as people of the light of day rather than the darkness. Paul says this, he says, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies or drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or debauchery, not in dissensions or jealousy. Now, the life of darkness that Paul alludes to here leads to more darkness. The sort of stuff he's talking about here leads to worse and worse stuff. Not only that, but it also leads away from God. The more we get involved in sin, the more separated from God we are. Now you'll notice the first two lines have sort of like a, a drunken party gone horribly wrong sort of atmosphere. For many Christians, this is less the issue. That's not to say that it's not at all an issue in the church because that would be very naive and dumb of me to think that. It does happen even for Christians. But for most of us, and even I'm looking at you in this room, most of us, the drunkenness party stuff is not really the problem. It's actually more the last line that Christians need to deal with. This is more subtle, more insidious, and happens way more in churches. The idea or this, these sins of dissension and jealousy. Dissension is just this. It's division. It's tension. It's arguments and anger that build up even in the church. Jealousy is an intense envy over somebody else's situation. Something that you are so angry about, are you so um, frustrated with them because of their situation that it begins to leak out into your relationship. These two can easily seep into a community. They can seep into a church. They can seep into a small group. They can even seep into a family, especially in stressful times. And we live in pretty stressful times right now. We must keep putting off these dark ways. Paul says this, he says, Rather, Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of your sinful nature. It says put on Jesus, put on his character, put on his gentleness, his care for others. That we would care for our neighbors and care for them like Jesus cares for us. Patiently, lovingly, graciously. Do not think about how to satisfy your sinful nature but rather put on Jesus, put on his character the way he does things. This morning, I hear a compelling exhortation from Paul. I hear the Spirit urging us to care for and to love one another, especially within the church, to apologize when we offend and to forgive when we are offended, to tone down our opinions and to listen to each other and care for each other. We should love one another because Jesus commands us to, absolutely, in John's Gospel, he says, A new command I give to you, love one another. Because remind, Paul reminds us here in this passage this morning that caring for others actually fulfills the law. 
And not only that, but especially in light of the time that we're in. We are nearer to Christ's return now than we were when we first believed. In light of all of this, let us grow in our love and our care for each other and for our neighbors. So, live ready. And we live ready not by building a bomb shelter and putting razor wire around it to keep people out, but actually by loving people more, by caring for people more. So, put off parties and sexual sin, but especially dissension and jealousy, and put on the Lord Jesus Christ, his gentleness, his care for others, his gracious way. This is our best response as a church in this pandemic. This is our most, most faithful course. Amen.